Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome back to another episode of The Edge Podcast. Hello, everyone. We're going to be breaking our typical formatting this week for an Ask Us Anything episode. We first of all want to reach out and say thank you to our listeners that have submitted all the wonderful questions you're about to be hearing. We're going to hop right into it. First question we got for our Ask Us Anything episode is, what is the biggest mistake you guys have made in business that taught you the biggest lesson? Go ahead, Riley, let's hear your answer. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, obviously, like remembering back to like the previous years, it's it's always hard to remember like your biggest mistakes, right? Because I feel like mistakes that come up actually teach you things. So, you know, over the past couple of years, obviously things have gone wrong and I've learned quite a bit from them you know, like management problems, stuff like that. Um, one of them I can't really mention on a podcast, uh, but I would say honestly, like the, the absolute biggest mistake that I met, um, that I've made in my business was probably this past summer. Um, I had a job that wasn't going really well. And because Natasha was in place, um, I kind of just left her to deal with it and like the client wanted, I I could tell the client wanted me to be there, even though like I had made it very clear to the client that like Natasha was the one that was supposed to be there for those things, for those problems, to fix those issues. And I, I was just like, I was in such like a mindset of like, I brought this person in to not be a part of my production. I don't, I don't need to be a part of my production. Uh, you can deal with it. And you know, the job is going to shit. She was very frustrated. Things kept going wrong. Um, we had to redo some ceilings like two or three, I think it was three times because she just wasn't happy with them. And, uh, you know, I kind of got involved there, but then like not, not really to the full extent that I should have. Like I should have gone to the site, talked to her. That probably would have dealt with the situation right there. But I was like, you know, I tried to deal with it over the phone, kind of pawned it off to Natasha and the painters, which obviously wasn't great. And then, you know, there's some other things that went wrong on the site. Like she wasn't happy with with some of the walls, which uh, w- was fair because they weren't done super well. Um, I had kind of like a, a new-ish interior painter on the project and they just weren't doing a great job. So we did get that painter off, put a new one in. That went definitely smoother. But <clears throat> the whole process of the job just, it wasn't smooth in any way whatsoever. Issues kept coming up and I was like too reserved to deal with the problem head on. And... That actually, like, a, like, it taught me a lot of, like, hey, like, even though I have this person in my business, I still need to be the primary contact at all times, you know, for, for the most part. And especially when a client, like, is asking me to be there or, like, problems arise to that extent, like, I need to jump in because, um, it like, it went on for two weeks. Um, we didn't get paid for it in the end. I actually had to end up, like, paying her for some money to, like, fix some stuff. And it was a 10K job, and we spent like 160 hours on the job. So I had to pay all the labor out, pay for all the paint. Then I had to get her ceilings re-skimmed, which cost like 1000 bucks, And then um, I had to like replace some of her paint as well. So it ended up costing me like, you know, like five grand. It was like a five grand mistake, which was pretty, pretty hefty, obviously. Um, me and Jordan had really good talk about it. I, I, I know exactly what was going wrong. But sometimes when you're in a situation, you just don't want to obviously <laughs> um, take accountability for it, I guess. And that was something that I was doing. And <clears throat> it led to a lot of frustrated painters. Natasha was really frustrated. Client was really frustrated. Jordan was frustrated that I wasn't, you know, taking action and, and being a proactive, you know, franchise owner. And like I lost a lot of money on it. So I would say that's probably the biggest mistake that I've made in my business. Um and it, and it taught me kind of just that I do still need to be that front person, regardless of if there's other people who can take care of it, especially when a client's, you know, at that extent and asking me to be a part of the, the problem, I guess. Um, and I'm able to take that away, obviously, and implement it into this year. If there's anything that ever came up like that, I'm 100% going to jump into it right away, go right to their house as soon as that problem arises, um, if it's to an extent that I need to be involved. So... I would say that's probably, you know, the biggest mistake that I've learned and I actually took a lot away from it, which is 
really great. And I can obviously, you know, help the people that I get to manage in the future to say, Hey, like this happened to me, do not be that person, you know, just take control of it, deal with the situation head on because it's, it's so much easier to deal with things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about you? I think my answer to that question isn't as specific as a single story. My answer to that question comes down to an, a very poor mindset that I really adopted in the, throughout my third year, which I've talked about a number of times. Um, the biggest mistake, uh, I can summarize this in a few words, and I'm gonna explain after. The biggest mistake that I made in my business was thinking that I knew more or knew better than my business coach. In my second, third, and fourth year, my DM, Ashley, was so fucking amazing. She did absolutely everything so well and was just so on the ball and was always there for me. But I went into my third year with this really poor attitude that I had done so well and I grew my business my first, my second year, and I was going to just do a good job and didn't really need the help anymore. I could not have been more wrong. And it kind of, it, it caused, it caused a separation in her and my relationship because no matter how hard she was working to try to help me, I hit a point where I wasn't wanting to listen to it because I figured that, Oh, I'm, I was a third year. I knew what I was doing all this other shit that was not at all true. Um, and I don't think it ever really hit me until we were in Regina in July. And I knew at that point that I wasn't going to be making Mexico. And I had to, we were actually leaving the trip at the end of the day. And I was hugging everyone by and looking, having to look everyone in the eyes and say, I'll see you in Mexico and knowing that I wasn't going to be there. And it was in that moment I realized that I had made a massive mistake in my year and I spent the rest of that year figuring out what, instead of focusing on what I was doing right, I spent the rest of that year looking at what I was doing wrong and trying to work to fix it and really just diving deep into why I was making a lot of the mistakes I was making. And a lot of it came down to not listening to my, not listening to Ashley because, and I think the biggest lesson that I learned from that was just that no matter what stage I'm at in anything in my life, there's always going to be someone who's better than me. There's always going to be someone who knows more than me, who can do more than me, who I can give advice to. And it, in absolutely no area, does it make sense for me to not listen to the advice of somebody around me when they're always there, even if it's somebody who I see myself or anybody sees himself as being less knowledgeable in an area, maybe they have a different perspective. Maybe they have something to offer that you haven't thought about. And I think that's the biggest mistake and lesson that I learned throughout my years. My business was just that there's always going to be somebody who knows more or who is better at it than you are. Yeah. And I'd say like Ashley's there to help you, you know, she's there to help guide your business and be that outside perspective when she sees stuff not being done correctly to pinpoint those things for you. And say, hey, like you're great, and obviously you've got lots of experience, and like you've been doing great over the past couple of years. But like, hey, you still have lots of areas for improvement, and like even in areas that you're doing well, you could do them better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's a definitely. And so go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, and, and the, the thing the thing with her is she was just super real with me the whole time, <laughs> and it was almost when I had that realization, it was almost a, a fun I told you so talk course. with her. <laughs> as I would have expected and as I, as I 100% deserved, but it was, it was a shitty lesson to have to learn, but it was a very humbling experience and it really changed the way that I think about a lot of things today because of that year and because of the time that I worked with her, because her biggest thing was always the people and she cared so much about everyone that she worked with as I know that she still does in her new position, but a lot of my a lot of my people skills and a lot of the humility that I bring into my business is a direct thank you to her and had I not had that realization I don't know if I would be where, at where I am right now in my like with people 
yeah, like be be able to coach people and understand when they give you that pushback, right? Because going through mm-hmm. that, being a franchise owner and doing that, <laughs> um, it's easy to be like, okay, I went through this. I know exactly what you're trying to do, but like, no, like, let me help you because you're doing great, but like, you can still, you can still be better. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely. So <laughs> I guess we can follow that up nicely with uh, the next question here. How do you work through tough times? Hmm. I think that's very situational. I think you can def- I think that de- comes down to how you want to define tough times. I know that the person who asked this question followed it up with a quote that tough times don't last, tough people do. And I think that that quote perfectly embodies this answer. It's if you have the desire to push through a situation, to push through a tough time, you will find a way to do it. And that the tough people are the ones that that make it through the situ- that make it through the tough times. The tough people are the ones that are able to set any any ego aside, any predispositions aside, and just look at what's in front of them and formulate a game plan to get through the tough time and to be able to find some sort of proverbial light at the end of the tunnel that they can be, keep pushing towards to get through that that dark time or that tough time or whatever it is that they're dealing with. Yeah, I think the quote is like a perfect summation of like of, of working through a tough time because obviously like, you know, personal life and business, there's there's always going to come periods in time that are going to be challenging, but those are meant to be lessons and they're meant to make you better, right? So especially like in a business context, uh, like when I see tough times, I've seen a couple of them this year for sure um, with, with both hiring, you know, and sales. I think the biggest thing is to realize that like it's not going to last forever. You know, like there's a, another quote, I think it's from Steve Harvey. It's like, um, if you're in hell, like, why would you stay there? <laughs> you know, like you got to keep going and get out of it. So the biggest thing is like to continue to push, be consistent, know that it's not going to last forever because, you know, people have off periods. But if you continue to push through those things, you're going to see the success that you want to, because the biggest thing, you know, especially in a business context is like that consistency and that persistence, because when you continue to do something, it will work. Maybe it doesn't work today. Maybe it doesn't work tomorrow. But two, three weeks down the line, you know, maybe things start to turn around. Like, for example, for me, like I had a couple poor sales weeks, um, you know, a couple, couple bad like marketing weeks didn't get all the leads that I wanted. Wasn't, you know, booking all the quotes that I wanted. Uh, my booking percentage was, it was definitely not nearly as high as it needed to be for those weeks. Um, and obviously that's a very hard time for me being that I have a larger goal cause I, I have to stay on schedule, but you know, that consistency, that persistence, I kept pushing, knowing it's going to work. I've done this. I know that there's shitty times. I know that there's good times. And this last week I had a great week, you know, I I booked 26 grand last week and that was a huge leap back into, you know, being on track. So I would say the biggest thing for like working through tough times is, is understanding that like you're going to have them, but like they're not going to last forever. Um, And if you continue to push, you will eventually, you know, get out of that rut and you will see the success that you want to, but you have to have the mentality to be able to do that. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what, you know, what we're both here for with, with the people that we're coaching is like pushing people through it and, and helping them understand that like, it's okay. Everyone has these times, but like you got to keep going because that that's when you're going to really, you know, see the results that you want to. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's when you stop pushing and it's when you stop trying to solve the problem or stop trying to work through that tough time that you be you when you feel that then you feel yourself becoming stagnant that it really starts to affect you it's exactly like you just said it's about making small consistent steps to keep moving forward regardless of the tough time that you're facing to keep making shit happen and to keep taking those little itty bitty small steps until and it's not going to be a one day you're in a tough time tomorrow you're not it's going to be a continuous motion until one day weeks down the road or days down the road or in some scenarios years down the road you realize holy shit i'm okay i'm I'm past it i'm done i'm good i'm okay it's like i made it through it's like a breakup that's the crazy thing right it's like a breakup what 
Totally. And it's just back to that quote, tough times don't last, tough people do. The tough times are going to go away no matter how much, how long the, uh, no matter how long they, they stay around for. But the tough people that keep pushing aren't going to go anywhere. But that's on the idea of, of keeping pushing. It's also important to be mindful of where your lines are and what you're capable of, of pushing yourself to and your personal lines and where you find your, I guess, burnout line to be, which that's our next question is how do you work through the burn? How do you work through burnout? How do you keep pushing yourself when you start feeling yourself getting burnt out? And I have an interesting perspective on this. Yeah, go ahead. And I think that the answer to how do you keep pushing yourself when you're feeling burnt out is you don't. I think there's a lot of actions you can take to prevent yourself from becoming burnt out. But if you reach that point of burnout, you need to take a small bit of time to focus on yourself to recharge. And over time, people start to learn out, learn what their burnout time is. Like I can put, I can work 12, 14 hours, 16 hours a day for about three weeks. Once I hit that three week mark, I need a day or else I'm, I'm done. I'm going to be useless for the next however long after, yep. but I know that I can push myself for that long before I hit that burnout part. What? Well, yeah. And I would say like, not only is it like on a scale, like, you know, like that, like weekly, but like even daily, like, you know, like for example, you just said you can work 12, 14 hours a day. You know, some people can't, some people have a burnout, you know, clock of 10 hours and like, that's what they need. And then, and then they start to, you know, just overwork themselves. So I think it's like, and it, it comes with experience, obviously working in an environment that has those higher expectations, I guess, uh, of, of really finding your happy medium. Like you kind of said of like, where is that limit? Like, where can I push myself to where I become inefficient? And if you do need time, you know, take that day off. I think that's the biggest thing. And like, there's a, a huge thing, um, right now in the work environment around like this hustle culture, but I think it's starting to come back towards this nice, like work-life balance of like finding that happy medium and not just burning yourself out because, you, you can't obviously operate at your maximum capacity if you're exhausted. You know, it, it will leak into all the different aspects of your business, your personal life, you know, your health, everything, because your body just can't function at that level for that period of time. So it's really about finding that, that, that happy medium and like, you know, taking Sunday off, like, for example, you know, like if you work your ass off for six days a week and take Sunday off, that's okay. If that's your burnout clock, that that's okay. As long as you're staying organized in those six days, you're getting what you need to get done in those six days, you know, take that day off, give yourself that period of time to, you know, do work around the house, go see your friends, go see your family, whatever that looks like, because, you know, that one day of recharge is going to be significantly um, more helpful for, for you as a person than continuing yeah. to try and push because you feel like you're behind or that you're not at the point that you want to be at. Yeah. And that's exactly it is just having that one day of recharge, which that's super important to mention in terms of how to prevent yourself from becoming burnt out, make plans, set goals and have set goals that you need to accomplish before you can have a certain day off. You'll push harder for the push harder before you have the day off. So you feel good when you take that time off, because if you are super behind in everything you need to do, taking a day off is just going to make you feel incredibly anxious. It's 100%. so much better and you feel so much more rewarded if you just push for an extra two or three days to get everything done and then you reward yourself with a day off. Because that's one of the biggest things is people need to understand that a day off should be a day off. A day off shouldn't be you sitting there and thinking about your business and or your job or your whatever hard time or hard situation or whatever it is that's burning you out you shouldn't be sitting there thinking about what's burning you out when you're trying to recover from from burning out it doesn't do anything there needs to be the separation and even for you and i we have a, a, a for sure thing we have dm retreat we're going to a show in what two months a month and a half something like that Yep. Um, going to a little concert. We have different events that we're going to be doing throughout the summertime, which are act as little milestones. But in order to be able to be comfortable going to those milestones, 
I know I do, and I know you do as well. We have little lists of things we need to accomplish before that happens. Yep. So that way we can be comfortable leaving and be comfortable taking that time. Yeah, I, uh, I was listening to a podcast today, uh, The Mindset Mentor, and he was talking about, um, I forget what the topic was, but th- there was a really good point in it when he was like he was talking about this guy that he coached, and he was talking about the stress in his business because he had a couple different businesses, and um, he was talking about one of his older businesses, and he's like, oh, it pr- like it brings me so much stress this business, and and uh, like Rob, the host was like, well, like how much do you work in that business per week? And he said, oh, well, I only work five hours in the business a week, so it, like it shouldn't be that big of a stress. And he's like, okay, well, how much time do you think about that business a week? And he's like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's where the stress is coming from because he's not giving himself that mental break to like to allow himself to recharge to go into that business and, and do what he needs to do. He was seriously burning himself out on a back like on like a background scale that wasn't allowing him to do what he needed to do. And that was what was causing that burnout for that business. So on those days off, like you kind of said, it's, it's very important to, to get your mind off of it. And one really good way to actually do that is to do something that a hundred percent takes your attention to it. For example, like working out, like you're going to be a hundred percent in that workout because you're, you know, you're using a physical uh, presence to actually, you know, do those reps and, and do that full workout or for another example, like, you know, playing a video game, like you're 100% in that game because you need to be 100% focused on that. There's no way for you to be focusing on something else at that point. So those things are really important too. like getting your mind off of what's stressing you out also helps like relieve that burnout. Yeah. Yeah. Or even seeing friends or doing something else that that's more social. It's both the examples you used are more introvert geared yeah yeah but it sure. also comes down to yeah finding exactly what it is that 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 you can use to relax yeah like right? yeah yeah that, that's the biggest thing relaxing and getting your mind off of that topic yeah and i guess one of the ways to start to mitigate levels of stress and to give yourself more time to work on what it is that you're working on is to delegate certain tasks and certain actions that might be taking up your time that you can essentially pay someone to do for less than you feel like your time is worth. One of the things that <laughs> I've always found is like if I can, like for flyer dropping, for example, for whatever I valued my time at in my business, if I could pay somebody 15 bucks an hour to, to drop flyers, I would do it because my time, I found my time way more than that. Or even say something like going to the paint store. Uh, if I was going to say make, for, wanted to make $40,000 in the summer, average franchisee puts in thousand hours over the course of the, the year that valued the time at about $40 an hour. Would I pay somebody $40 an hour to go get paint and then stress myself out with an extra 30 minutes, 40 minutes, 50 minutes of driving to get that, that paint when I could be doing other things or even just relaxing, having a coffee. Absolutely not. I'll pay someone 15 bucks or $18 an hour to go get paint while I use that time to do something else to get caught up on another task that I have to do. So with our next question is actually direct relation to delegation. How to delegate to painters over the summer and our processes to do so. Yeah. Um, I've found like delegation to be probably one of my strongest suits in my business. I hate doing things. I, I like to be lazy in a good way. Um, I don't like to do things that, like you kind of said, I, I find that are less valuable than I could pay someone to do. So I loved, like, I loved to give responsibility away. And that was actually one of the biggest challenges for me with, with Natasha last year because handing over the entire responsibility of running all my job sites and making sure that clients are happy and, and jobs go, you know, on time, profitable, all those things was definitely like a struggle. But like, I know we've talked about it and I, I, I explained how I did that. But with regards to delegation to painters, I find that, you know, typically in your first three days on each crew that you have, you're probably going to, someone's going to stand out as someone who wants to take on more responsibility or is a natural leader because, you know, when you're put in an environment where you need to lead, typically someone will stand out and, and kind of take that role. So typically identifying that person early is important. And then having a conversation with them like, hey, <clears throat> we do have this other role um, that, that does take on responsibility, explaining the role, 
explaining all the different you know tasks and responsibilities that would be you know in that role and and seeing obviously if if it's something that they're interested in most most of the time i find people are people love responsibility they like the autonomy they like to get paid more <laughs> um, naturally which is good so typically like I, I identify that person on a crew very early on i have that talk with them in the first week this is something i'm thinking of is that something that you you would be interested in taking on and you know if that conversation goes well um, typically you know after the first week after they feel a little bit more comfortable on job sites i will you know typically the next monday morning i'll I'll explain to them like, hey, like tomorrow I'm going to get you to the paint store. This is what the process looks like. You're going to pick up the product. Today we're going to inventory your materials at the end of the day. And anything that you need, say it's sandpaper, say it's you know drywall spackle, say it's caulking, you're going to just pick those things up while you pick up product. Because we can do those two things together. It makes it very efficient. Nobody else needs to go to the paint store. It's one process. So I'll kind of delegate like that single process to them. It's one process, but in doing so, it's also important to show people how to do it instead of just saying, hey, when you're there, you also get this, 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 and this, right? You, It's important to, in the early stages of delegation, of, of delegating a certain task, to be present with the person you're giving the sure. task to, to explain to them and to show him or, him or her, them, exactly like. how you want the task to be performed okay so that yeah. way they have something to base it off of because just simply telling somebody to a for a painter for example um or, or, or let's, let's talk about a crew chief hey you're going to be moving ladders from job site to job site now here's roof racks even if you put the roof racks on sick do they know how to move a ladder yeah no until sorry you show them no i wasn't you can tell them how to strap a strap on you can tell them how to do everything but until you spend the time with them showing them how to do things they're not going to actually get it. Yeah, sorry, I wasn't clear with that. Yes, I do show them. I go to the paint store with them, or like I guess Natasha does. We explain like you know what what we pick up, stuff like that. But like you know, delegating like a small task to them to start, see how they handle it. You know, if, if they're doing really well with it and they feel comfortable with it, great. Now we can go to the next step, which is you know, for example, um, now we're going to do walkarounds with the clients. Make sure that you understand the process of a walkaround, what that looks like, making sure the client's happy. If there's touch-ups, how to do those. Um, so I'll kind of delegate those things in the first couple of days of the next week. You know, if they're dealing with that really well in the second week of, of work, you know, maybe the third week now we're, we're starting to go through green sheets with the clients, take payments, how to do that. Um, so I like to kind of delegate, you know, tasks like smallly for, throughout the first couple of weeks. And then typically, you know, by third, fourth week of the summer, they're very, you know, well-rounded in, in how to do those things. Obviously, if they have questions, we're 100% there to help them. But typically, you know, by delegating tasks slowly throughout the first couple of weeks, they feel comfortable. They don't feel like you're just throwing too much at them at once. And then, you know, typically within a month of them starting, every crew is self-sufficient for me because like I've done those things. I've showed them how to do them. They feel comfortable with them. And, you know, typically for the rest of the summer, it, it goes fairly smoothly. If something's done incorrectly, we go through why that was done incorrectly and how to change those things so that they're, you know, more efficient or done properly. Um, and just being like a, a really good resource for them really is, is kind of how I delegate and that, you know, like when I was running my franchise, that lessened obviously the amount of time I was putting into those small tasks that I don't need to physically do. So one of the biggest things as a business owner is like, you can use your people, but not only like, does it help you, but explaining to them the benefit of how it helps them. So like, Hey, like, you know, being able to take on the responsibility, this is going to help you with your resume. You're going to be able to actually have more tasks, responsibilities under your belt going forward. It's going to teach you how to, you know, work with other people better. Um, you're going to get, you know, a better reference for me. Like all of these things tied together, um, it's exciting for them to get this responsibility. So it, it's not necessarily like, hey, uh, I'm going to pawn off this stuff so that I don't have to do it. It's like, hey, I want to pawn this off to you because it's going to help you and this is why. So like mm -hmm. really framing it in a reference that's, that's beneficial to them is very important too, so that they don't feel like you're just giving them tasks that you would normally do, explaining why it's important, how it helps the business, how it helps you, you know, have more time to go out and do the duties that you need to do, like marketing and doing interviews and running payroll and booking work for them and making sure clients are happy, putting up lawn signs, all of these things that they might not technically understand that you need to do in the background. Yeah. 
And even even down to the framing of, of the different tasks by explaining the importance of the individual tasks and, and the individual actions, subconsciously tells the painter that you trust them enough to take on to what seems to them to be an important task. Even if it's something as small as going to the paint store, by explaining to them the importance of going to a paint store on time to keep the job running, to do everything that it has to do, they feel trusted. They feel like you believe in them and believe in their capabilities to take on an extra step and an extra action inside of the business and they'll want to perform it. If the whole time you're there micromanaging absolutely everything they're never going to feel trusted you'll never see somebody's true potential you need to give somebody the trust and you need to in order to see what they're truly capable of yeah and i think the biggest thing um especially last year that i saw was by explaining these things and like providing that trust to them you really have your team buy into what you're trying to do and that's the biggest thing because when you have people buy into an idea you're going to get superior results out of them 100 percent of the time Mm -hmm. Same thing with franchise owners. If, if they buy into this idea of like all of the things in their franchise that can teach them and, and help them get to their end goal and like what they wanted to see at the end of the summer, when they're super bought in and they're excited, the results that you see out of those people are, are always, you know, hand, hand and foot above the people who don't understand or aren't 100% bought in to, to what you're trying to do. So by having this really well-rounded trust, respect, and vision for you know the whole team it's gonna help you get better results yeah and even from a from a dm franchisee perspective the number one way to start establishing that is through a relationship it's to build the connection and to make the franchisee trust you and have them feel like you trust them and by building a proper not only working relationship but a friendship with each of your people it has a massive impact on your business and on the long-term potential of every single person that you're working with. And that exact same concept can be translated down to a painter to painter level. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It like, yeah. And like, you know, building that culture, you know, people stay at a job for the culture. So if yeah. all, all of those things tie together, I know it's about delegation, but there's so much that goes into it. Exactly. And it's actually, it's that culture that, I've expressed so many times has kept me coming back to student works year after year after year after year after year. And it's something that I've said to everybody multiple times that I joined student works for the opportunity, but I've stayed for the people and I've stayed for the culture and the events and just the whole work hard, play hard, the whole let's push and see what we're all capable of as human beings together and let's succeed together let's fail together let's be through let's be and experience everything we're going to experience together and build these these bonds these friendships this family is what keeps me coming back which is actually my answer to the next question is why do you keep coming back to student works after so many years let's hear your answer riley yeah i would say it's very similar um you know like it, it the really unique thing about StudentWorks, and I'm, I'm sure there's other companies very much like this. Um, I have some friends in Vivint that, that it's a very similar kind of culture, which is cool. But um, I think like the number one thing is like you're able to be in a community where everybody wants to, to be better and grow. But not only like just grow, but like you're able to do that in an extremely, pro- probably one of the most supportive networks that I have like really ever experienced everyone's so I can ever imagine experience seriously and um, I would say that's the biggest thing is like not only are people trying to push themselves to their own capabilities but you're you're able to do it with 150 people 130 people whatever the year looks like um, uh, of like-minded people who are 100% there to support you and push you to hit your goals and, and want to see you hit your goals and exceed your goals and that's you know honestly a fairly unique thing to kind of have in life and I think that's that's one of the main reasons that I come back but also you know and and this is like a question that we're going to talk about a little bit later but it's really helping me work towards my long-term goals Um, because being in a community where I'm able to you know be pushed and grow and make the kind of money that I do it helps me with those you know future achievements that I'm trying to get later in life Um, you know making the income you know doing the investments all those good things 
um, I don't really know, like leaving here, I don't have another, you know, direction or path where I'd be able to go out and do those things. So I think it's just a, a fantastic opportunity, um, you know, for future goals um, that I'm able to start now in a really, really amazing community of like-minded people. Exactly. Let's, let's just flip the order of the questions here. What are your five-year goals, 10-year goals? What are you doing right now to take steps towards those goals? Yeah, sure. Um, so I would say like five, five-year goal. Um, it, it, it's mostly income-based, but like by the time I'm 30, so yeah, about five years, five and a bit years, um, I would love to have like, you know, three or four properties personally. Um, mostly rental-based properties just because I I really want to start building that but also kind of like really building an investment portfolio because not that I want to retire by the time I'm 30 by any means but I would love to be in like a financial position you know in like 15-20 years where I don't have to work I I will because like you know I, I love doing something that I'm obviously passionate about and I, I wouldn't see myself slowing down in 10 to 15 years, but I would love to be in a position where I don't need to make any more income to comfortably retire when I'm older because of the investments and what I've set up for myself. So I would say that's kind of like my five-year goal, five, 10-year goal is kind of just to start building a portfolio of, of wealth for myself, uh, but also just like every year getting better personally, you know, whether that's health-wise, I'm kind of starting that this year, um, relationship-wise, um, you know, over the last two years, I've started really building really great relationships with people, meeting a lot of people. You know, we have people in real estate investing. I know people, you know, in healthcare. I know people that are going into law. And and again, that's like one of the things with StudentWorks is that you get to meet a lot of people in different, you know, avenues of life, which is very cool because everyone's going to go on and be successful in their specific careers or in their specific sectors that they're wanting to go into. So just kind of really building that network, building that wealth is, is kind of what my five to 10 year goal is, I don't really know what, you know, work looks like in five to 10 years, whether I'm still a student works, you know, DMing or, or whatever that looks like. Um, but that, that's kind of what I see as my direction over the past, uh, over the next couple of years. How about yourself? I feel like you almost stole my answer, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. Me, the thing that I've, that I've been working on for the past as long as I've been in Steamworks is built developing my network, developing the connections and the friendships with people that I just value being around. I've in the past number of years have really just redefined my circle and my five people, 10 people, 25 people I'm the closest to because I've wanted to make sure the people I'm surrounding myself with are the ones that have similar goals and who are able to push me to be the best version of myself. So I think the next five years, my number one thing is while I'm still young, focus on setting myself up for the future. Do all the small actions that it's gonna take that I can retire earlier, that I can have the life that I want to be able to have as I get older. Whether that even if it means the small actions of not eating out a couple times, that seems so insignificant right now. If you just look at it from the compounding interest on that saved money, it adds up over the course of time. And all those small actions are going to snowball into a massive, a, a massive extra investment as, as I get older that's going to greatly impact my future. And so for the next five years, I'm really just focused on taking all the small actions necessary to be who I want to be as I age. And one of those small actions is looking into getting exactly like you said, and as I've talked about in the past couple episodes, investment properties. I genuinely want to, on a, on a longer, longer term basis, when I quote unquote retire from whatever I'm doing, I'm probably going to move into full-time real estate investing. And by the time that I do that, I want to have a number of properties in my name already. Yeah, definitely. And so with with mine, I'm actively looking for something right now. But by the time I'm 30, I would, which I'm, I'm 26 right now. By the time I'm 30, I would like to have six doors. And where that comes from is I would like to have a suited property and a fourplex. Okay which in Alberta, 
wildly enough, I still don't understand this, but where the market's at in Alberta, you can get a fourplex for way cheaper than you should be able to. Definitely. And I want to capitalize on that. Well, they're cheap. <laughs> they're basically on sale in relation to the rest of Canada right now. Yeah. And those things that if I can get them early enough, not only will it be an asset in my name, not only will it be something that will be generating cash flow each month, but in 25 years when my tenants inevitably pay off the mortgage, essentially that fourplex and even the suited property will be funding my life as I get it, get to that age. So any additional properties on top of those will be funding my lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. It's all about passive income, right? And that's kind of what I'm working towards as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because like, like the whole idea, like while you're young, like, and it, and it's so funny because people like, so, some people get it, some people don't, but like the whole idea of like grinding your ass off for like the next 10 years is going to provide that lifestyle 20 years down the line. But like, you know, some people will go, you know, work a nine to five job for the next 40 years and be okay with that and never, you know, be financially ahead. But like, if you just like worked your ass off for 15, 20 years of your life, you're really setting yourself up for the future. And I think that's something that this opportunity allows you to do. Yeah. It's something that it 100% it allows you to do. And as the next question asks, after being a student works, what nine to five position could you see yourself working in? My answer is absolutely none. Neither. I, after, after experiencing what it's like to grind and to really push and to have the autonomy over my own income and my own goals and my own level of success, there is not a chance in hell you could get my, me to sit down in an office or or even if it, it doesn't matter if what the setting is in your typical nine to five, I would be so goddamn bored for the rest of, for, for the other however many hours a week. I just couldn't do it. It would drive me insane. I'm just too, I want to be too involved. I want to, and after the past six years of Stumers, I developed this grind that I want to work my fucking ass off and put myself in that position that if I transition to a nine to five tomorrow, I would be so unhappy. I agree. I would feel like I was wasting the rest of my time, the rest of my life away. When even if I was making a decent income, I would be wondering what, what more can I be doing? What else can I be doing? What other jobs could I go get? What other position can I go climb to? I would need to be doing something else. Yeah, like I feel um, the, that weird uh, time between student works and when you start back up student works, like, you know, that school time period where not necessarily nine to five, but very similar. Um, I always find myself thinking I needed to be doing more. And I think like that's just something oh, that's- I was so <laughs> lazy during that time. Yeah, me it too. bad. It, yeah. And like, and you, you lose that, right? Like you lose that grind and like that mental attitude and- I don't think that's something that like I would want to put myself in because like I know I could be doing so much more. But not only that, I also know that my I could be making so much more if I was able to, to continuously work. You know, um, like my mind goes like and I, and I feel like I need to be doing something. So like you kind of said to go sit at a nine to five, like I just don't think that's something that I would be comfortable doing um, because I know that there's something better that I could be doing for myself that would be providing more growth, providing more value, potentially providing more income and, and helping me more longer term. So I think that would be a very difficult thing for me to transition into um, definitely after like having that autonomy, having that freedom to kind of build my own schedule and do what I want when I want and like fitting everything into the way that I want it to be. Yeah. And even even in that crazy chance that I ever did leave student works, I would I would need something that was that the compensation was based on my own performance. I as wild as it sounds, I'm so against fixed salaries because I think that it encourages people to perform at their bare minimum level. They find out exactly what they need to do to not get fired, and they do that. The second you add a performance-based aspect to people's salary and people's earnings, you really see people reach their true potential. And I think there are so many companies that can be flipped on their head if they shifted their compensation structure for their employees to a more incentivized structure. And yes, it would cost more in the beginning. 
but their increase in revenue Imagine and the, the increase in productivity and culture and the results would tenfold exceed the extra expense of paying people on an incentive basis. And that's what we see with what we do with piecework, right? Like when I explain like what piecework is to people, pretty much 98% of the people that I talk to are like stoked about it. It's the first time that they've heard of a system where they can make the money based upon their actual efforts and not just their time. And that's the biggest thing that I think that I've kind of been able to, to realize through StudentWorks is like my results are based on my effort and my time, not only my time put in. Because, you know, as you start to grow your business, your time becomes less because you're able to do things like delegate um, and you're able to spend money on different things and use your time differently. And it, like you kind of said, it tenfolds your results. So I think, yeah, being put in a position that's nine to five, most likely salary based would not be incentivizing enough for me. I would definitely provide significantly less results for whoever I was working for, as opposed to if I was working, you know, for myself or on a commission or on an incentivized based program and I just don't like I don't see it in my future no absolutely not I need that incentive behind what I to to, to push me to do what I do because anybody who knows me and if you have ever look at my PI I have an incredibly low level of formality so I'm going to find the bare minimum to <laughs> that I can do to do what I need to do so if but if I'm being incentivized if I'm being compensated and encouraged based on my actions i'm going to do everything that i can and everyone who knows me knows that i will work my ass off because i know that i'm being um judged based on the amount of of work and my overall performance and i'll push for it and that's those are things that i'm willing to to do and to accept and to take on to make sure that i can guarantee to have the lifestyle that i want when i get older Definitely. which our last question today, what lifestyle are you working towards and why? I'll let you go for that one first so I don't steal your answer. <laughs> the, so I, I'm working towards a lifestyle where I am working because I want to. And I have full confidence that, that I'm not going to reach a time in my life where I don't want to work. Even if it's work for one, five, six, seven hours a week. I'm going to want to have something going on, something that I can be working towards and improving on and learning. And I'm, I'm going to want to have something that I can be involved in. Yes, sitting on a beach for the rest of my life sounds pretty enticing, but it would get pretty boring after about two months. Most I likely. need to have something going on and I want to be able to to, to build myself in such a way that I can have a lifestyle that gives me the freedom to decide whether or not I want to go to work moving forward in the future. And that's why the idea of real estate investing is incredibly enticing to me is because I can, yeah, I can hire a property management company to deal with everything that I would have to deal with. But if I want, I can also choose to go spend time looking at other properties. I can go spend time talking to my, to my tenants. I can go spend time working with property management companies or even on the other side, starting my own property management company to deal with my own properties, right? There is so many different things that I can be learning and growing on and improving for the rest of my life. And like I mentioned in my first lesson that I learned earlier on this this um, recording, that there's always going to be someone, there's always going to be people who know more and are better at something than me. And I want to get into a lifestyle where I can just spend my time around those people and experiencing what they've experienced and learning from them firsthand and being able to grow and develop myself in such a way that will align with ultimately who I want to become and give myself that freedom. Yeah, that's a picture perfect answer. Yeah, I think I think mine's very similar. Um, definitely on, on the whole aspect of like, I want to work because I want to, not because I have to. Um, I think that's a goal that I'm really aspiring to, to hit, obviously. Um, because like, if you do the legwork now, you will get there. If, if you're willing to grind and work your ass off now, you are 100% putting in your, yourself in a position to be able to do that in the future. And that's something that I am more than happy to do now. Do I have to sacrifice things? Most definitely. Do I have to sacrifice those odd weekends out with my friends and they do they not understand it? Yeah, for sure. But my end But goal, is it worth it? 1000%. 100 Yeah. Yeah. 
100% it is. Because, like, again, I'm looking more long-term. I'm not looking in the short term. I'm like, oh, like, it, obviously it sucks not being able to go out for that, you know, that event or whatever. Um, but, again, like we kind of referenced earlier, we are planning events. But we're also making sure that we're doing what we need to do so that we can go enjoy those things. And that comes to a longer scale, right? Like that's not just a short term, that's long term too. That's 10 years down the road. Am I doing what I need to do right now to be in that position 10 years down the line where I don't really like need to work if I don't want to, you know, whatever that looks like. Uh, But also I want to be in a position that people like, you know, look up to me and be like, wow, like look what he's built for himself. Like look at all the hard work that he did early is definitely paying off and like, just being that kind of mentor for people and being able to continue to grow people and, and mentor people and being that person that, you know, is, uh, is a great role model for others. Um, it is a big thing for me. Like I've always loved coaching people, you know, the entire, my entire childhood, I was always our team captain on our team. I always loved that leadership position. Um, and, you know, then I went on to coaching teams because, like, I absolutely love to help develop people. You know, now with StudentWorks, even though I don't have a lot of people, obviously, um, I love the opportunity to kind of, like, you know, work with Maddie and, and be able to help her um, develop herself and see the results that she can and help her push herself. So, like, overall, like, lifestyle, like, definitely pushing towards being able to work not only because I want to, because but because I actually enjoy what I'm doing. And because I put myself in a position to enjoy what I'm doing, not just, <laughs> again, like we referenced before, like a nine to five where I have to work because I need to be able to afford my life. Um, so that that's kind of my end goal is really just pushing for for a better lifestyle in the future and, and being 100% more than willing to, to put in a lot of work now to be able to do those things in the future as well. That's very well said. I think we've we've covered a lot today. Exhausted all of it. <laughs> yeah, we we've those are just some really good questions, and I'm really happy that people sent these in. Yeah, me too. I, I yeah, like they were great questions. Really good line, obviously, uh, of kind of like what we're looking for, and like you know what we've experienced over the past so couple of years. So I, I yeah, really appreciate some lifestyle, it. some business, some everything. Yeah. So thank you guys again for submitting all your questions. We really appreciate them. We'd love to do more of these episodes. If you have any more questions, feel free to send them in. Love to answer them for you guys and kind of give you guys our perspective on them. And uh, we look forward to chatting with you again next week. We definitely look forward to chatting with you. If you have any other questions you would like to send in or just ask, the easiest way to get a hold of us is on the EdgePod on Instagram. Thanks, everyone. Have a great week. We're going to leave you today the same way that we leave you every episode. We hope you have a good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and we will see you again on the next episode of The Edge Podcast. For more of our content, follow us on Instagram at The Edge Pod. If you found value in this episode, please remember to rate, subscribe, and share as it allows us to organically grow our following.